Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. Welcome, I'm Brad Wilson, and in the words of our beloved Warren Litzman, it is broadcast time again. Thank you for being with us today. Welcome to podcast number 176, and we are in the middle of Warren's study called It's Jesus, Just Jesus. What a study this is. Let's get right into it. Here's Warren. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5. And we're going to take a look at a verse in the Christian Commission for the born again. Every once in a while, somebody asks me, what is the Christian Commission in grace? Well, it's found in the fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5. We have at least the seven major points that belong to the Christian Commission for those who have been born again. What does that mean? That means that the five Christian commissions given by Jesus of Nazareth while they sound good, do not apply to the born again. So I like to look every once in a while over to Second Corinthians, and I want to start especially with verse 17, which is the most common verse. It is one of the most popular verses in all of the New Testament. The verse that says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation, or a new race of people, whichever translation you're looking at. All Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now, this is the most popular verse, and everybody quotes it, but it is the most unknown truth in Christianity because the average believer has a hard time putting their finger on the time and place when everything became new and all the old things passed away. That's sort of what I've been talking about in these meetings, getting rid of the old that the new might take over and that the new might operate. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. What makes the new creation? Well, the new creation, to put it real simple, is wherever Jesus is. The new creature in Christ is a creature that is the expression of of the only Jesus there is to that believer. There is none other. Now, I've said this many times in this conference. For instance, it's Jesus. Just Jesus. That's what it's all about. That's all your life is about, is Jesus. Your life has a center, which is yourself. And out of that self are innumerous lines leading like a satellite, to things you're involved in. You put all those things together and say, this is my life. You get up in the morning and you eat breakfast, uh, you go to a job, you, you bring home a paycheck, the wife takes care of children, manages the house, you have relatives, you have neighbors, you have places you like to go. You put all these things together and you say, that's my life. That's all we know to say, isn't it? That's my life. I get into trouble. I should have been careful. I made a bad choice. You think, that's my life. Or you do something good and somebody pats you on the back and you think, well, that's me. That's the real me. But of course, in all cases, 
you're wrong. You don't really want to see your life. You have in your mind a made-up life that you think is me. Ever since you've been born again, a strange thing has happened. God never sees the life you are living. You are living. Why? He killed that out. If you'd really like to know about your life, what your life is really all about, you have to take a good look of yourself at Calvary. There He hangs on a cross. You're in Him. And the first thought that comes to your mind when you look at Jesus on the cross is, uh, He didn't do anything bad. There was no sin in Him. He had no right to these consequences. Why is He there? Oh, that's me. I see it. It's me. What's he doing? He's taking care of my old life. He's taking care of it. What's the best thing he can do with my old life? Kill it. Kill it. Make it dead. Not only make it dead, but he goes on and buries it. Uh, That's a real point there. Sometimes I think we don't stress that enough. Christians say, well, I died with Jesus on the cross, but they don't ever get buried, so they're like stinking corpse. (laughs) You ever run into one of those corpses in the church house? There are several there. They're dead but not buried. They talk real religious, but don't live the new life. They even smell When I saw the Pope laying out in the open, uh, one of our dear friends is a funeral director. And that's the first thing I asked her. I said, did they embalm the Pope? She said, I hope to God they did. (laughs) She said, if they didn't, he smells. Even after 24 hours, she said, he'll smell. And I thought, that's why we have some trouble in the church house. That's why believers have trouble. They sing the songs. They talk the life. They have the words. But they kind of smell. There's something wrong. There's, there's a lacking of love, consideration, a wrong attitude. You'd think they'd never been saved. Well, they have been. Their old life's been killed. But they don't know it because they've never been buried. They've never buried that old life. So important that you come to that. You've got, you've got to have a burial ceremony. Somebody said, well, I did that when I was baptized in water, but that's just like water. It flows off you like off of duck's back. We're back to the love affair again. I can't keep loving my old walk in life. I've got to fall in love with my new life. So what is your new life? Your new life is not what you do because you're no longer in the center of the being of this person. Right now, the life is in the Son, Christ. He that hath the Son hath life. He that doesn't have the Son 
doesn't have life. That hits the nail on the head for the theme of this conference. Christ is all. He's not some apart. He is the entirety of a Christian. A Christian has a whole new existence. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And I always like the translation that said he is a new race of people. Meaning that it's, it's something that's never been before. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. A whole new race of people. Well, the problem with that verse is very few people have come to living it, come to even understanding it. You can't understand a new life until you get rid of the old. Now, this bothers people because they, they think, as you're sitting here right now, they think, well, how in the world do you do that? It's when you begin to see Jesus as your all that when you get up in the morning, it is not you facing the day. It's Christ facing the day as you. What that means is it doesn't matter whether the sun's shining or it's snowing or it's raining or the wind's blowing or whatever. It is Christ facing the day as you. You understand that? It isn't you at all. He has taken the place of what was you and is merely using you to be a new creature. So, when you go off on the job in the morning, it isn't you at all. It's Christ as you. When you get there and maybe you got a mean boss and he looks at his watch when you walk in and you know what he's thinking, I'm late again. Well, I'm just a minute or two late. Who faces that issue? You? No, it's Christ as you. Because the only life you really have that works and is important is the life that's in the Son. So, if you face the day as a Christ person, you're going to feel better when you get off the job. You're going to quit hating the job. You quit hating the job. And remember, I always like to drop this in with people who are looking for new jobs, not making enough money or don't like where they work. If God gives you a new job, good. If He doesn't open up a door for a new job, remember something. That's not you on that job. That's Christ as you. And if you're removed from that job, will there be a Christ there? Will there be anybody there to witness? Will there be anybody there to live right? So you see, this is all in the control of the Holy Spirit and it makes a lot of difference. So when you get home at night, it's Christ as you that came home. It's not you coming in, slamming your hat and coat down on the floor and saying, my God, I'm glad this day is over. Because it wasn't your day. It was His. It's Christ as you. You're a new creation. You're not the same old person. So what I'm trying to get through to you is that in every issue of life, even when the children are irritating you, it's Christ as you. We've got psychologists and psychiatrists that are paid millions of dollars trying to get you to think right. What they're trying to do is what grace has already done. 
get you to remember that it isn't you at all, it's Christ. That's the way to live. Because this world is now set up so that the only person that can function in this world is Christ. That's right. God got it all set up for that. There is nobody else that can function in this world like it ought to be except Christ. He made it. All things were made by Him and for Him and aside from Him. There is nothing in existence and all things are connected and hold together and support themselves because of Him. What is that? Colossians 1. It's Him. It isn't you at all. Do you think that the ordeal Jesus went through on the cross, shed His blood, beaten to death, average person would have died any number of times before He even got to the cross. You think He went through all that to produce a Christian that never knew who they were, couldn't stand to live, hated themselves, didn't like their place in life. What do you think? You think the cross was of any value? Did it do anything? Did it buy and purchase anything? Was there any change to be made? You see, I don't teach you to live like Jesus. I don't believe that's scriptural. In fact, I don't think you can do it. And a lot of people are misled at that juncture because they say, well, you talk to me about living like Jesus. What about you? Are you doing it? Or they talk to me and say, well, it's just impossible for me to do that. So our terminology is not living like Jesus. It's Christ living as us. See, you need to turn it around. Christ living as you. In the home, you got a husband and wife, two people in which Christ lives. What do you think would happen to a home that loved Jesus more than self? What would happen to that marriage? What kind of world would it be? Well, what I'm really getting at here, the first thing this morning, is to try to get you fixed as to where Jesus is. Where is He? Where is this Jesus we talk about? Where is this one who hang on a cross? Where is this one who went back to heaven? Now, we've all believed that we were seated with Christ in heavenly places and thought we were seated on the throne with Him. And, of course, that's not so. Heavenly places is not a location. Seated with Christ in heavenly places is not a place. It's a sphere of living. Best word I could find. It's a sphere of living. You see, we all have different spheres of living. A fellow comes in and throws his hat and coat down and says this was a miserable day. He's created a sphere to live in. 
So that's probably going to be a rough night. Christ in you creates a new sphere of living. It creates a place in this world that will not change, that doesn't need a world to change to exist. Isn't it kind of funny what happens to all of us when life gets real tedious, real bad, and the first thing we Christians think of, oh, I'm just looking for the Lord to come. That's my only hope for the Lord to come. Well, Jesus is sitting in your spirit. I'm sure He's kind of like this. He scratches His head and He says, What am I, peanuts? Who am I? What about me? I'm already in you. So Christ in you is supposed to create a spirit of living. Paul has innumerable statements in that line, like he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. When he hits the bottom, he says his grace is sufficient. When it seems he couldn't carry on, he says there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Remember all those statements he makes? Just one after another. What is it? That's a spear of living. That's a knowledge that Christ lives in me. How in the world am I going to face life without a knowledge of Him in me? This is the sadness of Christianity. Christianity has ignored Christ in the believer and has woven a whole different plan outside a believer saying, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to clean this up, you need to live holy. They have picked out everything to try to create a spirit of living that does not work because your spirit of living is already created by God in you, by Christ in you. That's the spirit of living you ought to be in. I must tell you, it's hard to get there because you've still got a mind that's cluttered with the old way of living. Somebody says to me, is there anything good out of my old way of living? Yep. Paul said, I gladly suffer, give up all the things that have made me me for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. He willingly gave it all up. Was it gone? No. It was still there, like on a hard disk. It was deep down. But he said, I don't use that anymore unless the Christ in me has use of it. So his training, his background at times would surface. But he never let it be known. That's me. It was always Christ. Because his spirit of living was not under His supervision anymore. It was Christ. So to help you simply, when you get up in the morning, say, Jesus, here we go. It's your day. This is your body you've got to use. My tongue is what you've got to use. Sadly, my mind is what you've got to use, even if it is peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> 
You've got to use it. This is all i got to offer you, but you are me, and I am you. I and you, you and me. You create a spirit of living. So where is the new creation? Where is he? One day it struck me, and I just jotted down several things. Where is Jesus? He's in your new life. Your life. Not somebody else's life. Your life. I thought how in Christianity we have lifted up the great heroes. We've talked about the great wonderful things they've said and done. We pick up the old books that had some good things in it and we remember them. They get locked in our minds. We try to drag all that with us. But the facts are we're new creations. I have been faced since I had a revelation of Christ as my life with my past. I did a lot of things in my past. Once in a while, they come out. I try not to let it. Even though Christ was a part of those things. Because the new me is a Christian, a Christ person. That's what the word Christian means, a Christ person. That's who I am. So the past really doesn't matter all that much. Peter talked about in Second uh, Peter, the first chapter, he talked about us receiving a new nature. Where is Jesus? He's in you in a new nature. Now, this is one of the hardest things to grasp in understanding. What is that nature? Peter called it a God nature. It is from that nature that we have a history. We have a background. One reason why... Judaistic people in the Scriptures didn't want to give up the Old Testament was because that was their history, glorious history. It goes back to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. goes all the way back to Noah. goes goes back to the beginning. And they gloried in that history. And they celebrate that history. There are religious groups today who still celebrate the history. 4,000 years ago, they're still killing animals, offering sacrifices, teaching the tabernacle, doing all of these things to try to have a history. As if they never got a new nature. That's somebody else's history. When I was born again, I got a brand new nature. And you know what my nature is? My nature really begins before this world was created. That's why when the council took place in heaven between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and this whole thing was mapped out, that's where He planned by putting me in Christ that I would have a new nature, which would give me a new history. You know what my history is? I was before the world started. I will be after the world started. I have eternal life dwelling in me now. 
Well, what all in this world can I attach to that nature that will improve it? What could I possibly add to my nature that would improve it? That's what Paul had in mind when he said, I not only suffer the loss of all these things of my past, but I count it but done. I'm ready to move on, Paul would say. So you have a God nature in you, and that's Christ. Coming with Christ was a brand new nature. Give it some action. Give it some life. Give it something. It's Christ in you. You are a partaker of God's nature. You're not going to be. You are now. That's a decision the Holy Spirit can help you make. Another thing, where is Jesus now? He's in you. Could you imagine anybody ever being lonely again who really had a revelation that Christ was in them? Lonely. I get words, uh, emails, letters from people who talk about how lonely they are. The only way you could ever be lonely is to not know who you are. Don't you realize that you have been joined to Christ in spirit? You have become one, and the one is Him, not you. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Well, I'm smart enough to see in that. Don't need me. Just let Him be. The one spirit is Christ in me. The one nature is the God nature. You see, those things have already happened to you. They've already taken place. They're not a going to be thing. I detest religion that comes along and says, well, you don't have it all now, you'll get it later. Or you have the first step and the second will come later. Or you're on your way and you'll get there whenever our Constitution bylaw says you're ready. No, sir. He dumped the whole bucket of grace on you the moment you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. The whole thing. And it's going to give you a lifetime on this earth to understand it. All I am is a little voice that comes along and gives you something else to go in your understanding to help you see who you are in Christ and really where Jesus is. Your life is Christ. That's present right now. So you've got a whole new family. This is something that will help you. You won't be lonely anymore when you think about this. <clears throat> you've got a new father. He took his incorruptible seed, his sperm, his son, Jesus, all these are synonymous. And He put it in you. He put it in you. He birthed in you another person. Another life. 
See, read Paul carefully. He'd say, the life I now live is Christ. Or he would say, Christ liveth in me. See how it is? There's not any separation in the idea. It's either a truth or it's a lie. If it is truth coming out of God's Word, then we have to face the issue that I am a new creation. Christ does live in me. I am alive forevermore. And I need to find out about who I am now. Several things happen. You've got a new father. You've got a new life. You've got a new intention. You've got a new purpose. You're a new creation. All because you simply believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Just that simple. You have a right to enter into another dimension of living. I call it fourth dimension. I call it fourth dimension because years ago I thought time, space, and matter were three dimensions. Come to find out they were probably all in one dimension. This is scientifically talking and I don't know anything about it. So I had time as a dimension, and for me it is. Time is a separate dimension because I have to fit a lot of things in time. And then space, I have to watch out for my space, where I'm going, what i got to do, and so forth. Time, space, and matter. Matter has to do with me physically, my creation, and it has to do with attitude. Time, space, and matter, three different dimensions. So I said, well, that's not Christianity. If the Christian's always worried about time and place and who he is, there's been no change. See, that's what the world says about us already, that there's no change in them. They're still bound by time, space, and matter, just like all the rest of us. That was never God's intention. That's never what Christianity was to be. It isn't time, space, and matter anymore. There's a fourth dimension. The fourth dimension is this spirit of living I'm talking about where Paul says it's seated with Christ in heavenly places. And as I told, as I said, heavenly places is not actually a place. It's a spirit of living. I mean, you can be down in the dungeon and have a spirit of living with Christ as life, or you can be on top of a skyscraper. It doesn't matter about the place at all. The spirit of living is where Christ is. Not long ago, I got into a jam, and the Holy Spirit helped me because I didn't let the jam blind me. And the first thing I said in the jam was, Jesus, here you are again in a mess I've made. It's His life. How did I enter into that to make it a mess? My thinking. My mind. Why didn't He stop me? Because He loves me enough to know I need to go through that so I don't have to go through it again. He even loves me enough when I'm dumb and do have to go through it again. And again sometimes. So our spirit of living is not in some heavenly place. It's heaven wherever Jesus is. Can you face that? 
right now, whatever your circumstance in life is, the Holy Spirit wants to tell you that you're in a heavenly place because that's where Jesus is. You are seated with Him. You are together with Him. You are linked to Him in whatever circumstance you're in. If the doctor said uh, you can't live 30 more days, you're in a heavenly place with Christ. If you're going to lose the business, you're in a heavenly place with Christ. That's what a Christian is. That's where Jesus is. Jesus is not some far-off character that we write stories about. He is somebody that lives in you. That's where He is. He's in you. So you see, this requires a whole new understanding of what life is. You may wonder how you made it this far and didn't know a lot of these things. Well, that's a good definition of grace. You see, God's grace is not just in giving you things, but it is helping you in your ignorance to come to understanding, still loving you the same. A lot of people don't like grace because they've been raised under law and they feel like grace is license to sin, as Paul faced it one time in Galatians. He faced the issue. But he handled it properly there. And we handle it properly today because grace is not license to sin, not license to do wrong, but grace gives God a license to operate in your life when you do wrong, when you do fail. For He never leaves you, never forsakes you. Never, as the saying is, takes His hand off you. He's always there. Always. These are things you need to fix in your mind because the things you have in your mind bring dread and fear and death and darkness because you get into a trial. You just can't see your way out. You can't see anything good happening. You can't see why it even happened in the first place. And when that begins to happen to you, You're blinded to who you are. You get blinded to who you are. Your mind gets obsessed and taken over so that you forget all about the Christ that operates as you. So this brings us to the need of the mind of Christ. What really is the mind of Christ? Paul makes three important statements about the mind. Let this mind be in you, but you have available the mind of Christ. I add the word available. And third, he says, be not taken up with the world, but be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The one great thing Paul learned after he had a revelation was his battle was no longer with the world. His battle was no longer with Satan. His battle was with his own mind. You can hardly read ten verses of Scripture 
in Paul's epistles that you don't come across four key words he used. They are the words knowledge, wisdom, revelation, and understanding. Why are these words so much used by the Apostle Paul? It's because those are the words of the mind. Those are the words that are connected with your responsibility. Now, when I make a statement like that, I always have to enlarge upon it. When I say you have responsibility, you never have responsibility to your salvation. You have no responsibility to Christ being in you. That's a gift. You have no responsibility to receiving the Holy Spirit. He comes as a gift from Jesus the moment you're saved. You have a responsibility not to your salvation. That's finished at the cross. But your responsibility is to grow into these things. Come to full stature. Come to understanding. Two times the word predestination is used in the Scripture. has to do with our growth, our spiritual growth. So God in love not only just left it to you to find out about all these things, but what He did, He predestinated you to know these things. To know who you are in Christ, however, is something that God has already pinpointed. He has predestinated you to come to that point. First, many of you are in this meeting as a part of God's predestination to come to this understanding. You're predestined. Every believer is predestined, but some never reach it. They're they're hard-headed, cold-hearted, or for some reason so religiousized they can't come. They can't enter in. But you were predestined by God to come to this understanding, not to come to me or not to come just to this meeting, but you in your life have been predestined by God to come to this understanding that Christ lives in you because that's the paramount factor of God in getting His family. He has to birth them Himself, and you have to come to the understanding that you have been birthed by God. Not just coming to this meeting or listening to me, but I tell you how predestination works on God's part. And remember, there is no such thing as people being predestined to be saved and predestined to not be saved. The only ones that are predestined are God's children, which is a part of His parental care for us, where He maps out things in our life to bring us to this knowledge and understanding. So beyond just coming to this meeting as a part of predestination, I could say that you have been predestined many times in your life to this understanding. Maybe you wasn't ready then to take it. Maybe you too were hard-headed and, and wouldn't listen. Maybe your preacher was saying the opposite things. And maybe you had a real trial. You had a real hard thing to happen to you. And, and you needed to get out of it. Maybe it was sickness unto death. Maybe it was a business problem or some other great problem. And so your first thought was maybe where you were was, I need to get out of this thing right now. Modern uh, preaching said, this is the devil. Rebuke him, resist him, and he'll flee from you. Now, 
Or the preacher was saying, hey, you wouldn't have had this to happen in the first place if you had any faith. Or maybe he took it a step deeper and said, I tell you what, you've got something in your life that shouldn't be there. You get rid of it and you'll get out of this jam. You ever had that to happen? That was our famous message in the charismatic period. What was that really? Really wasn't the devil. He may be doing it, but it wasn't him. You know who it was? It was the Father who had predestinated you to come to a knowledge and an understanding that would make the difference in Christ living in you. You were predestinated to grow up, to come to full understanding and knowledge. What you needed was a gospel of grace. What you needed was for somebody to tell you that Christ already lives in you. You're not going to lose everything. You're not going to go to hell over this problem. You needed somebody to preach the true final gospel to you. But instead, the gospel of the day is that if you don't live right, you won't be blessed. Maybe you haven't given the money God told you to give. Maybe you haven't been praying enough. Maybe you don't read your Bible enough. The emphasis was put everywhere, but on the fact, dear Lord, if you're in this, and I give you the credit that you may be, then I wait upon you to learn and to grow and to be a Jesus person. You look closely. Both times the word predestination is used in Ephesians. It's not talking about salvation. It's talking about our spiritual growth. God has a hand in you. Doesn't He have a right to have a hand in your life? That's the Son life. That's Christ's life. And Christ has been placed in what could be a miserable place. You. You ever think about this? He could have been placed in a very miserable person and said, now you've got to live the life of this person. The Lord could have complained and said, well, i got an idea. This person is so dumb they wouldn't know if, if I was here in the flesh. Let alone spirit. But the Father's grace put Jesus in everyone that believed on the Lord Jesus Christ because He has no other kind of salvation but Christ in you. You want to know what grace is? The moment you believe, God put another life in you. And that life is struggling to have an outcome. An outpouring. Struggling to flow out of you. Are you willing? Are you ready to let that life come out of you? The only thing that's necessary is to change your mind. To give Him a mind. Let this mind be in you that fits Christ. How do you get that mind? We're talking about it now. But I'm not talking at any point above or beneath the Scriptures. I'm giving you 
the Word as I see it. The Scriptures, Paul's message, it's clear. He has written every iota of these things. When you read Paul's epistles, read those epistles as if they are the instruction book for your life because you have another person in you and you need to know how to make it work. That's where the love affair is so important. You know, dear friends, learning can be greatly illustrated by the new computer world we live in. Your mind is a hard disk. There's a whole lot of things you need to put aside in your mind because it hinders the flow of what it is that's current and what you're doing now. It's not easy to set those things aside. Sometimes you can, uh, in a computer, and I don't know a lot about computers, just a little bit. Sometimes you can uh, get rid of something. You can hit a certain button and get rid of it, but you didn't really get rid of it. It can still be retrieved. So that's bothersome. At other times, I hit the wrong button, not intending to get rid of it, and can't get it back at all. It's gone. So you have a lot of learning to do. Mainly, you learn to hit the right buttons. And that's what I'm talking about here this morning. It's Christ as you. That's hitting the right buttons in life. That's happiness and joy and peace. Hitting the right buttons. But you know there's a phenomenon about computers. About the time you think you've got enough knowledge to hit the right buttons, they put a new program in. Have you ever noticed that about life? You just get things all sized up and fixed up right, and then a whole new program comes in. None of that changes Him. He's still there. He's still your life. He's still all in all to God. But your mind has to grow with this new life that's in you. Because the Father is going to take you from circumstance and situation to circumstance and situation. He's constantly going to be changing you. I had a dear lady, 80 years old or so, to tell me not long ago, she said, I thought when I got older, I really wouldn't have any more of these problems. But she said, you know, they're just as thick and quick today as they ever were. She said, I thought you'd outgrow them. I said, let's not look at them like problems. Let's look at it like God's not finished with you yet. He's still working in your life. When you're presented to the Father, when you get to heaven, maybe at the judgment seat or meeting in the air or wherever it is, when you're presented... He can see you just in the right form. That was His intention. 
because He's bringing all of us to that point that He can be proud of us as children, offsprings. Not orphans, offsprings. Directly birthed by Him with His nature and seed in us. You're going to face that one day and you'll feel proud if you stand before Him as Christ as you. Because He only had one Son that pleased Him. And that one Son is Jesus. Amen? Okay, we're going to take our regular tea break. We have a short ministry here this morning of dedicating some babies to the Lord. And so we're waiting on everything to come together. It's tea time now, so let's enjoy. Well, we're going to stop right here, but we'll pick up at the same spot next week where we left off. It's Jesus, just Jesus. What a great study from Warren Litzman. I can't tell you how many times I heard him say just those words over the years. Hey, check us out, if you will. Go to our website, christ-life.org, christ-life.org. Read all about us and check out the bookstore with the wonderful materials that Warren left behind for all of us. Robbie Litzman, we want to thank you for allowing us to go into the archives each week. Valerie Hill does our Twitter account. Tammy Laycock does the weekly podcast notes. And this podcast is produced every week by the very talented Teresa Ferraro from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ Life.